The Money Show. Shapeshifters. A couple of disclosures before I continue. The first is I have told the story to tonight's shapeshifter and he has no recollection of it, but it's fine. It's still a good story and I'm still going to tell it anyway because uh, tonight's shapeshifter's most valuable contribution to society is not one that he remembers, but for a long time he has been uh, in the inner workings of the executive layers of Sun International. And when my wife worked at Sun International a long time ago, he helped her with the statistics module on her MBA, and she is forever grateful. Uh, Anthony Leeming, the chief executive at Sun International, that was long before the global financial crisis and long before you were even chief financial officer and part-time knight in shining armor. How long have you been at Sun International in total, Anthony? Oh, and then I'm so excited by my introduction, I don't, I don't take you off hold. How long have you been at Sun International in total? Yeah, 24 years. I'm actually just smiling about your introduction. I remember you telling me about it, and I, I do remember that. Oh, you do? Well, you remember me telling you about it. I don't know if you remember the actual event, because I'm sure you've been a knight in shining armor to many over those 24 years. What did you do before? Were you a, a jobbing accountant before you joined the Mighty Sun International? Yeah, well, I started at KPMG, and then I went overseas once I got my articles in my CA, and then I went overseas for a year, just a bit of uh, casual work and traveling. So I spent a year in Europe and traveling around. Um, I came back and I joined uh, Bollers World in, in uh, Caterpillar, the Caterpillar division, um, for about a year. And I was approached by a small IT company, which today no longer exists, which was about a year. And then I joined what was then called Cursat, which is today known as Sun International. Uh, and so you missed the you missed the, the the Kersner era then, or was was Seoul still connected and involved, or at least trying to be? We were actually involved in his company, so the Santa National is listed offshore at the time. We owned a share in, in that company. He was not involved at all in, in, the, in the local South African operations. So we had a share, about a 30% stake in what is called Santa National um, UK, or Santa National sorry, offshore, uh, which later changed its name to Curzon International. Oh, I see. Okay. I mean, he was a hell of an operator, you know, tough as, na- tough as nails. Um, but he, he left a hell of a legacy behind, didn't he? I mean, in terms of the creation, um, utilizing the Bantustan system and sort of creating this den of iniquity at, Sa- at Sun City, which, you know, um, people would go and spend their weekends at Sun City. You were allowed to gamble and go and look at naughty shows and do things that you couldn't do in Puritan apartheid South Africa. Um, and he, he utilized the, the, the environment against itself in many respects. Exactly. I mean, he really did leave a legacy behind it. I think Sun City, if you look at it internationally, is known as probably the first integrated resort in the world. And what's followed from that, even Vegas has gone to more the integrated resort. Really? The is not just about casinos, it's about the entire experience. So Sun City really was, I think, the, the real foundation of what's today known as the integrated resort concept. Uh, so it really is fascinating how you could start all this um, I had the fortune to meet him once, and when he, you know, just before he passed away, the year before, he came up to the NGC and they were busy filming a documentary. Uh, and I went to greet him at the palace, and all the staff were there singing. I mean, it was, you know, tear jerking. He was in his, wheel, he was in his wheelchair at that stage, and just mm-hmm. seeing and the respect that all the staff still had for him, and, and then he's so well known, uh, even though none of them probably had been met him before. But the vision to take this old crater in the middle of nowhere and to convert that entire valley into 
several golf courses, multiple hotels, um, and, and what's morphed now into a conference and family holiday venue. We had a huge vision, and I was just, I mean, not so long ago, taking a walk around the palace. And when the palace was built, I remember thinking to myself, goodness gracious me, this place is atrocious. But it kind of grows on you. Uh, and it, it's kind of the, the part of, the, of, of Sun City that's aged the best, actually. It's, it's got this wonderful, you know, as everything weathers and ages, it's, it's really, I think, coming into its own as the trees grow and you do get the sense of this lost city in the middle of nowhere. I guess I guess Saul when he went there it was all about the gambling income to be you know to be honest. And the way he saw it is if you get back, in other words, create something more than just gambling, uh, you end up getting more. And that's how almost the formation of if you look at all our casinos in this country, the bit processing ensured that there was theaters, there was arenas, there was restaurants, um, entire entertainment facilities built that actually add more than just the casino and add a huge amount of jobs. So I guess that's what he saw, that you know, if you give more um, and create something, you actually will get the license, which really makes the money. I mean, the, the, as we know, the palace was built on the promise of getting the, the license for the carousel. So when you look at that, um, he spent all that money knowing that he'd make a lot of money out of the carousel and then Maruda. Yeah, and again, the, the, having the faith in that process is is, is enormous. You're the inheritor of this legacy, um, and it, I mean, I'm, I'm sure part of you wishes that the resorts had never been built and the hotels had never been built and the food and beverage had never been done because that's really hard work. It's it's so much easier to open up a floor and put some dim lighting in and stick rows of machines in and have some roulette tables and have people handing out cards and collecting in wads of cash because casino, what is it, 75, 85% of, of all of your revenue? Yeah, that's right. So I think the hotel side and the resorts in particular, hotels, you know, standalone hotels are a lot easier, but when you look at a resort concept and something like Sun City or the Wild Coast, it's a massive effort. There's so many different markets you're trying to capture. Uh, you know, Sun City doesn't depend on just gamblers. It depends on local, international, conference, sports events. Uh, so there's a huge number of markets you're trying to attract, and you really have to go out there and find customers. Uh, casinos, local destination casinos like we have um, in the urban areas, are very much, there's not a lot of above-the-line marketing. It's very much more direct marketing, CRM type marketing. So your customers, your natural people that live close to you, whereas obviously some cities looking for people all around the world and all around South Africa to come visit, and every different type of market. So, yeah, a lot more complex. Food and beverage is a difficult business. Uh, and and places like Sun City are tough. Yeah, I mean, you did in 2022. There were 400 conferences, um, and I think that's across the network. 400 conferences, 250 lifestyle and sports events. It's a, it's an eventing business now. I mean, the the F and B side of it, at least, is an eventing business nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. Look, when you go there in, in a busy period, I mean, I, I sometimes look at the team and you're in awe. I mean, they're just on nonstop and. You know, one, one, one conference booking out and the next one's booking in. So you're losing 600 people today and tomorrow, 1,000 are arriving. And then the next week you're at the NGC. So it's just the amount of volumes that go through that place, um, you know, the team is, is, is at it nonstop. So I think that's probably what we got right recently, got the right team into Sun City, and that's, that's what it needs. It needs passionate people. People need to work 24-7. Um, it's, it's a tough, tough business. And things picking up. I mean, just before COVID, of course, you went through that enormous revamp of, of Sun City. You uh, redid one of the hotels, if memory serves. You certainly redid the conferencing area. You spent a lot of money and then suddenly you had to shut it all down. And you must have gone, oh, my goodness gracious me. Talk about bad luck and timing. Yeah, look, that's exactly it. It was really, 
you know, we had spent a lot of time when I first took over. We were probably in an overgeared position. We had just opened Times Square, which opened fairly slowly. Um, and we went through a real tough period. And literally, we released results in that month that the lockdown was announced um, and went to, went to shelters. No one really cared. They said, great results, but what's going to happen? And um, the next thing, you were closing everything down. And some cities, you know, was closed all the way until September. So it wasn't just a three-month lockdown. It was over five. So it was a real, real tough period for the group. Um, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, when you look what's happened, we're a strong cash generator. We've recovered quickly. Gaming's proven very resilient. Um, and, uh, yeah, we looked like to look COVID something of the past. Uh, we learned a lot of lessons in terms of costs, in terms of management, uh, how we do it. We, we really could take pain. We reduced salaries to 40%. So probably the hardest time Sun International has ever gone. We've never closed. In fact, since Curzon opened Sun City, no one's ever closed. Closes down. I guess I get that uh, legacy left behind. I'm the only person that's ever closed Sun City. It wasn't you. It wasn't you. It was COVID. Um, but but yeah. it, it also gave you an opportunity, I think, to right-size various things because one of the things about Sun City and the legacy thing is there were just so many people, so many staff. And it was great as a jobs creator, the Royal Buffer Gang, of course, intimately involved and the Queen would come and hang around a lot. And um, I think there was a lot of sort of community pressure to, to have possibly too many jobs in that environment. And it's enabled sort of a, a thinning out and a more of a business rationale to take hold. Yeah, look, we did outsource certain functions. So it wasn't all just a staff reduction, but certainly we outsourced certain functions and we got a more flexible way, uh, labor pool. So that enables us to gear up when you're at a conference and then you know, schedule down when you don't in a quieter period. So, yeah, we definitely restructured. We took a lot of costs out of the business. Um, and Sun City today is generating more EBITDA than it's ever achieved. So this last year was very successful. And so far this year um, has been phenomenal when you consider that we started last year with Omicron, uh, variant stole all the cancellations. Uh, we had a very good bounce back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it feels like a million years ago, but it is. It's like not much more than 12 months ago. And uh, fortunately, things are opening up again. And the, the place feels vibey. It feels good. Um, it, it, thing, things are, are going well on that particular front. When it comes to, to this business, though, as the chief executive, it happens to be an accountant, and your predecessor, Dave Kutz-Trotter, was also an accountant. Uh, and then you also had um, people, the deliciously named Mr. Bacon and Mr. Venison, who used to run the place <laughs> as well. Um, <laughs> your name doesn't fit. Uh, but it, it's it, the best bit is the casino operations, isn't it? I mean, the casino operations are the big money spinner. Are people coming back to the tables? We've got a terrible economy. We've got a really rough environment. People are, uh, you know, making big choices when it comes to their disposable income. What's happening on that front? Yeah, we definitely, customers have come back, there's no doubt. I mean, we, you know, last year we were probably at about 88% of 2019 in total. We had some properties like in the Adjobic property that were ahead of 2019. Um, Cape Town lagged a bit, Grand West. But overall, we've bounced back really nicely. It's just proven how resilient sort of casino income is. We are probably got more active people, but maybe visiting a little bit less um, is the big issue. And then the top end is, is actually really through COVID was quite strong. So the more, you know, affluent customer definitely spend a bit more time during COVID than the sort of more mass market. So we, we bounce back pretty strongly. We have proven the game is extremely resilient. And with the costs taken out, you know, at the end of the day, we generated more EBITDA, more cash flow. As the boss of a casino operation, are you allowed to have a flutter? Uh, not at our properties, but I do now and then we'll go to someone of the competitors. 
uh, with a friend and we just have a little bit of fun, but really uh, pretty small stuff. <laughs> uh, you're an accountant. I mean, I don't think you could face it. And you also understand the odds, I suppose. I mean, the odds are always stacked in favour of the house. Occasionally somebody wins big, sometimes somebody wins huge, and then, of course, then the bells ring and uh, the, the drama and the excitement happens. And I suppose that's kind of the showbiz fascination of Vegas and of of Sun International upon which, you know, Sun International sort of the view of Sun International was very much Vegas-like in, in its in its creation. Yeah, look, I, I would never say the odds are stacked in favor of the casino. I mean, I think the odds are quite simple to work out. Like you just look at a roulette table where you got sort of 37 numbers including the zero and we paid 35 to one. So, you know, the odds um, are good. Um, obviously, uh, we wouldn't exist if they weren't in the casino's favor. But we certainly have plenty of winners and a lot of people that have a lot of fun at our properties, and that's what it's about. You know, it's not just about, we, we obviously very responsible gaming programs. Um, that's critical, especially in today's age. But, you know, it's a bit like any sort of industry that's, um, a bit like alcohol or cigarettes, you have to be responsible. And that's something that we hold that, uh, you know, we really formed the, the responsible gaming program back in the sort of 90s um, and have been at the forefront of responsible gaming in this country. When, uh, when, when it comes to, to running the business of Sun International and uh, the, its role in the economy, the, the, the tax that it generates, the jobs that it, is, that it creates, the tourism environment in which it, off, it, it operates, where do you see it fitting? Look, we, I, think we, um, I think if you look at the casino environment, you'll get to the sort of hotels and the resorts in particular Sun City, but... If you look at the casino environment, the way the country actually issued the licenses and what they required was really, really good. So it created far more jobs than just the casino. It created far more opportunities for entertainment for, for all sorts of people to actually, you know, partake in the casino industry. If you look at it, the foundation of what, where we spent, like if you look at the Sun Arena at Times Square or the Grand Arena at Cape Town, uh, these are massive arenas that bring a lot of locals as well as international artists. Um, but very little, really don't make a lot of income out of them. But they wouldn't be there if it wasn't for the casino license. So the casino license creates a lot of jobs and certainly a lot of tax, both VAT as well as gaming levies. Uh, so right at the top, you know, not many companies have uh, sort of 20 to 27% taken off their top line uh, before you even start making money. So that's tax before you even get to corporate tax, um, which helps the local provinces as well as the, the, the fiscus. And employment is massive in the industry. So it really has, I've got to give the government credit in the way they issue the licenses and the way they've handled it. They got a lot from it, uh, jobs, taxes, um, and, and, and certainly a lot of stimulus to the economy. Are there any casino licenses left up for grabs in, anywhere in, a, in the regions in which you operate? The, the Northwest has one license that, that they can issue. Um, the issue is where. Um, you know, I think the provinces have reacted pretty responsibly in this matter. They haven't, uh, you know, really that's the last one. So the big licenses really are, are, have all been issued. So when you look at obviously the Cape Town, um, look at Gauteng in terms of the big properties here, uh, Durban. So really they're not massive casino opportunities. But the, the, the gaming industry has changed substantially. If you go back to 2010, uh, casino income was about 80, 85% of gaming. Today, it's probably less than 42%. Um, when you look at sort of the other forms, LPMs, EBTs, uh, online, which now obviously exploded coming, coming out of COVID, there really is the gambling industry has grown strongly, while casinos have been a little bit more stagnant. 
there was a time where resorts were the, the lifestyle and the glamour, the root of the African sun. You'll remember that. And that was the yeah. Royal Livingston and the Victoria Falls Hotel and just beautiful properties. And the world of hotels is still a foreign place to me. I mean, because, you know, you've got owners of the buildings who then lease them out to various operators. And I don't think you are the operators of those properties anymore, are you? No, we did. We we actually are. We we sold the Royal Livingston as well. My predecessor sold the Royal Livingston, unfortunately, because it is one of the most beautiful places in the world. Mm. We still actually have the Route of the African Sun where we package the Table Bay, which is the hotel we um we lease yeah. at the moment, as well as the Palace and the Royal Livingston. So we work with the minor group that owns the Royal Livingston, um, to package that sort of what we call the Route of the African Sun. But yeah, they they I mean phenomenal properties and, and really spectacular to go to. Uh, is there what is the growth opportunity for you then? I mean, if they're not casino licenses up for grabs, and the resort business is a tough business, and getting people to come and stay in the hotels and have to make the beds every day and vacuum the carpets and um, you know get the food and beverage going, where are the growth opportunities for a business like Sun International? We have a few. I think in online is definitely something. We have uh, quite a few licenses in in Africa on the online space, which we will be launching in the next few months. Um, our online business in South Africa is growing very, very strongly. Um, our LPM business has a number of unallocated or licenses that can still roll out. There's a bit of delays with gaming boards um, and getting those rolled out. And then certainly, while hotels and resorts are tough business, they are showing remarkable recovery in terms of where we were last year um, and showing quite strong growth. So a place like Sun City, we've just um, started the Lapika Village. I say started with end in, in around about November. Um, and if that goes well in, in future years, there's, there's opportunities for further expansion of the Vacation Club concept, as well as other opportunities maybe use that brand of Vacation Club around the country. Um, but yeah, at this stage, I think we've just got through COVID. We're looking at uh, where our growth opportunities come from. We've got strong bounce back, strong cash flow, generating and paid um, high dividends last year. We've paid out at 75% of earnings. So I think Shell have seen us really as a real strong cash resilience generator in terms of casinos. Great opportunities in the online space and, and a strong recovery in hotels and resorts with, I think, further growth opportunity in terms of rates and, and a particular place like Sun City uh, that we think can go a lot further. Uh, the one thing that we are short of, I think, in South Africa, and I wonder if you agree, is family holiday resorts. You know, you turn Sun City very effectively into vacation club. And I just look with some sadness at what happened to Mpukweni and what happened to Fish River Sun. Those were uh, hotels that that were, were exited by Sun International. Beautiful properties, beautiful part of the world in the Eastern Cape. Um, and I, I saw some images the other days of these properties getting trashed um, just because they were standing vacant. And it, it's just, there's a, there's so much opportunity in resort holidays. Before COVID, uh, we, we we sort of got a, a wind that the fact that, uh, what are they called, the the big holiday operators, the fully inclusive guys were, were considering South Africa as a, a possible resort destination. Do you see that sort of future for us here? Have we got enough of a wealthy enough demographic to, to justify that? Yeah, look, I think when you look at what's happening internationally, I mean, the, the cost of going to international hotels just keeps going up and it goes up and up and up. You know, it's no longer, you know, you go to London now, you're in for three, four hundred pounds in, in, in an OK hotel. So actually, I think it's still lagging on room rates, although we are starting to see at the top end, and especially international markets, starting to recover. I think within, with, a bit, with inflation and people starting to pay a bit more, we've certainly picked up at some city. We, we, our rates are above where they were in 2019 and demand has picked up. So local travel is still recovering. 
Um, you know, if I think about the fish, the real challenge there is just where it is. Um, you know, it's 130 k's out of It's so blood. hard to get to, yeah. It's hard to get to. And without the casino license, it really had very little chance of survival. Um, it's just in the wrong place uh, in the wrong time. But yeah, certainly um, Club Bed, you I think you're referring to, or coming on... Club Mad, that's coast. the one I was thinking of. Yes, absolutely. It's a great potential opportunity. Um, it really is, is something that could work exceptionally well. I mean, our coastline is stunning compared to anywhere else in the world. So it's nothing, sure. nothing we have to be ashamed of, something we should be proud of and actually um, use it and, and really get to the internationals as well as locals. You know, and paying decent rates because it, it really is beautiful. I couldn't agree more. Anthony Leeming, thank you very much indeed. Chief Executive at Sun International. Tonight's shapeshifter, 24 years at Sun International, starting with the finance department, rose to CFO, became Chief Executive in 2017, uh, and then, of course, became the guy to shut the hotels. But like Robbie Brosen had that wonderful advert for Nando's, don't you remember, um, where he said, you know, we, we have to put out the flame because um, of, the, of the crisis of COVID. But yeah, thank you very much to Anthony Leaming this evening, the Chief Executive at Sun International.